Well, 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 well. Here we are. I guess uh, if you're listening and you're used to the podcast intro, you're used to more than one crack. It's a solo <laughs> crack today. I'm the only cracker. The lone wolf, uh, Tristan. <laughs> I'll pop, I'll pop my water bottle. You can hear that. Yeah, you guys get your waters open. Get those going. I'll just I start. To my body. Um, so where'd you guys, wait, start with your guys' water brands. Tell me where the water's from. Oh, um, yeah. The tap. I have a, a Nestle, <laughs> I have a Nestle Pure Life water bottle, which was purchased mm. in a Florida airport in Sarasota. But right on. It is filled with now tap water. So that's okay. what I'll, that's what I'll be drinking. Nice. It's refreshing, refreshing. Hi- hydrating. It's, uh, yeah, I hope it makes you guys smarter. Um, <laughs> I, however, am drinking a Crowler, which is like a, a tall boy can, but even even bigger and, and fatter. Uh, I was in Lake Placid over the weekend. Well, I was in the Adirondacks over the weekend, but we stopped in Lake Placid. Uh, and I went to Lake Placid Pub and Brewery, uh, which was awesome. And I got a strawberry milkshake sour, um, which I'll hold up in front of the screen there. That looks that is Very a fat can. Heavy. Holy huge, goodness! Heavy. Yeah, it weighs like it weighs like a human baby's weight, just about. Um, so it's, I'm going to get silly by the end here. I think by uh, by Monday's game, I'll be a little bit loose, so uh, I'm going to have to wrap up early. But um, I'll, I'll let you guys know. My eyes go cross on the camera at any point like this. <laughs> I'll make sure to screenshot it. So yeah. we are um, via Zoom tonight. Um, yeah. We're not. If the quality sounds a little bit off, but. Uh, Connor and I were in Florida, so we're playing it safe in terms of COVID. But uh, yeah, and, we're ready and to it snowed more. again on a recording night. I didn't even think of that. Like it, yeah, we had another this snowstorm today. Safer call anyway. So, I think um, how many how many inches did you guys get? I know we're not that far apart. I think we probably got five or six here. Yeah, I would we say were, we're, we're, we're in like Boston, three or four. You guys, I think got more. When we were there the other night, um, when we were pulled into Logan, and then we were leaving Boston, they didn't look that bad. But then as soon as we hit Waltham. Water yeah, that was a crazy difference. It was like three on the shore, three inches on the yeah. shore, and it was like six to eight back here. So we got quite a bit on that storm. We also you have to love it. We have to address Jalen's absence. So missing Jalen tonight. Oh, yeah, Jalen's on here. Um, R.I.P. Jalen, we miss you, buddy. Yeah, I have his microphone. So as far as audio quality goes, and supposedly his laptop just doesn't uh isn't up to speed for zoom calls it just laptop couldn't get it done today yeah so um we'll do our best to make up for it although that is a tall task indeed but it's virtually impossible but we're going to try our our damnedest um moving on i mean we we do also need to plug the jersey again uh it's hanging up right behind me you can see it in between my uh my that's my right eye and my tv um Took me a little too long to pick my eye there, but anyway, <laughs> it's been that kind of week. Anyway, if, if you haven't left a comment yet, I mean, the odds are still ever in your favor. I don't know what movie that's from. What is that from? Hunger Games? Maybe yeah, odds ever be in your favor? Yep, I believe so. Katniss this is a garbage Everdeen. episode. I yeah, love yeah, the either, way, guy. either way, leave a comment, tag three of your friends, follow us if you don't already, um, and get yourself in New Jersey. It's beautiful. I was just telling telling you guys, I know in the group chat, it's like made me want one. It's just been hanging up in my room, and it's, it's beautiful. The black detail with the gold on the sides, too, and the the arm patches. It's a nice, thick uh, material, too. It's not like, you know when the Premier League jersey switched from, like, the felt armbands to, like, the yeah. plastic yeah, iron yeah. ones? Yeah, which I think are better because they're probably more form fitting to their arms. But like, right. it was just it seemed more quality when it was like an actual felt patch, and this one's like a nice thick. Uh, I don't know what what material it is, but it's nice. 
Uh, yes. I miss those old ones, Tristan. Yeah. Those are so nice. They were way better. They they were way yeah. better. Um, but I'm pumped to see who wins. I really am excited to see who wins this and to see him throw it on. And um, it looks a little bit roomy in a good way. Like it's it's a slightly larger large, but I think that's good. That's you know? very good. Yeah, more more Makes universal more for everybody. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just I can't. Uh, I just want to see the. Fr- I want to see that thing so bad in person. I'm like, yeah. I think that's what well, I'm missing I mean, most. Yeah, yeah. I feel it. Do it in your hands. <laughs> um, so leave a comment. We're excited to give that bad boy away. I'm even more excited to pick our next kit. You know, I, just, I like doing these kit giveaways. They're they're making us go broke we here. We gotta slow it down, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, who, I, w- I wonder who you should go for next. Maybe another American. Endless Matthew options, Hoppy. I think. We could do a city Zach Steffen kit. That would be pretty cool. Keeper kit. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know. I don't like only kids. How do you guys feel about keeper kits? Not good. <laughs> I don't think so. Tristan, could you keeper even rep a keeper, keeper kit? Keeper cool. The sleeve, it'd be like would, three quarter sleeves for you, dude. No, no, they, they look. <laughs> I think the Puma one, at least the the sleeves are pretty good, and they're usually That's good fair. about like form fitting athletes. But maybe yeah, get, they're good about tailoring think, it to like more of a like soccer stature too. Right, Puma is. right. They they help cover up the wrists. Yeah. Don't expose the wrists on on long sleeve jerseys. Uh, points were a stinker, man. We had a disappointing, a disappointing display. Uh, Not Connor, what I expected. Connor crawled out with five. Let's go. Worst of the best, or best, yeah. best of the worst. That's what it is. What, I mean, best of the worst. Uh, either way, keep crawling there. Uh, I don't even know how we would pick a second place because everybody got three <laughs> points. Like yeah, I don't know so how you even decide that who would move on. Probably Jalen because he still has the the most wins of all of us. He has the best percentage, probably right. <laughs> That's, yeah, I'd say so. That's hilarious considering Andrew, what was it? Friday night, I was heavily intoxicated, and Andrew was like, bro, you got to do your predictions. And I was like, the only way I'm doing them is if, oh, you, yeah. like, if you read them to me. He read them to <laughs> and me, I not, and I picked the most outlandish score lines. I was just... Christian, I was... Oh, it was, it was nuts. I was not in the right state of mind when I was writing my own, and I was like, Connor, we got to do them right now. We were like going to go out within like 20 minutes, and I was like, we need to get them done. And I was like firing them off because everyone was putting them in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't even have that excuse. I don't have a good excuse like that to for the, for the shit that I put out. But either way, new week—that's <laughs> the beauty of pick 'em. You just wipe the slate clean. You wait till uh, the next match week, and you you get it done. Um, but there's a couple good games coming up. But what we're gonna do is recap the past weekend, which had a couple really good games. Um, moving into the first one here. Villa beats Arsenal, and you know I was the only but only person who who got any points from this pick. I didn't get the score right. I picked two to one Villa, but I was the only one who picked Villa to win, got which surprised me a little bit, considering this is a Villa podcast. So yeah, yeah, it is. It's a Grealish podcast. I, <laughs> a I Grealish mean, podcast. Arsenal is hot, but I, Ollie, Ollie Watkins nets the goal. Did your jersey ever come in? By the way, still on the way. <laughs> oh, no. if, you, if you can believe it, well, no, anyway, it is in the hands of USPS. I just like I stopped worrying about it at this point. I'm like, if right. it gets here when it gets here, it's all good. I don't really have room for it anyway. So Jeez, you're, uh, you're coming up on a two month like shipping period. It seems yeah, like. we're at January 4th, and it's what February 9th now. So, oh my god, uh, that's that's crazy. It's pretty brutal. Considering that it was on the same delivery truck as yours was right up until the time it wasn't in <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia for whatever yeah. reason. We thought mine was going to be the one in Jeopardy, but turns out it was the opposite. Maybe there's a maybe there's a Dorchester, Philadelphia. Who knows? I almost just said my address on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I feel a little freaky going to Love sleep. Love some tonight, hitters so coming to your house. 
<laughs> no kidding. Plum, plum would be there yeah, plum would be yeah. <laughs> plum would be knocked down your door. The doorbell ring. The doorbell's <laughs> ringing before we even upload this. Um, so Villa beats Arsenal. They do it in only nine minutes. They score the opening goal in the ninth minute on a really bad defensive blunder from Arsenal. So it was actually then, two second minutes. I thought it. Second minute? I thought it was. Yeah. It came. Nine, oh, my gosh. It came 70, 75 seconds. 75 seconds into the game. That's Ollie Watkins' 10th goal on the season, so he hits double figures, um, which yeah. is good for him, proving himself as a scorer in the Premier League. Yeah. So that's And I feel dope. like that's, that's really just the tip of the iceberg for his game, just because, again, like there really are not a lot of strikers like him who, and he can be a little bit heavy-footed at times, but he's really adept at finishing with both feet, he's really aggressive in the box, and he's really good in the air too. So he really does cause defenders a lot of problems. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. He had, he, he he had, had a number a, of opportunities yeah, all game. He had was, chances he had to get like, more. He, I think he could have scored a hat trick with the amount of opportunities he had. Right. Um, Matt did, Ryan. Did Grealish assist his goal this game? I, I think he did, right? I don't know. Um, oh, no, maybe it was uh, it was Tri- I, I want to say it was Triore. It came in from the right steal. flank. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He had the, there was a bad Arsenal giveaway. He had the steal and played a great ball into the box, and, and Watkins kicked it. It just took a quick nick off a defender. I think it was yeah. in the back of the net anyway. But either way, I mean, it's, it's a pretty deflating start, and I think history has shown that if you really – jump on Arsenal early, you really make some noise early on in the game, it's going to be really tough for them to recover. And they just never found the back of the net. So disappointing yeah. for them. I think they'll be really disappointed because that's this year Villa's done the double on them. Villa beat them 3 nothing in the beginning of the season when things were really bad for Arsenal. And things are better now, but I think Villa definitely still showed they were the better side today for sure. Yeah, I mean... Matt Villa- Ryan also Go ahead. He gets his, he gets his start and he, uh, he gets his start for Matt Ryan. I think it's season with him. The opening play, so it's pretty, pretty shitty for him on his end. For, uh, that was uh, Matt Ryan's first Arsenal start, too, right? Yeah, it was his first start, so unfortunate for him. To think Emiliano yeah, could have been on Arsenal this season, too. Yeah, that's crazy. Emiliano picks up the clean sheet against his former side. He's like, He seems like the nicest guy, too, and you remember he said that shit about Arsenal where he was like, yeah, it's like a complete upgrade this playing against <laughs> He seems and like a father like, figure at Villa. That's so, exactly. he, he really does. He seems like the nicest dude, like a genuinely really nice guy who just said he's, he's being honest. He's like, I I like playing at Villa way more than I like playing at Arsenal. I can see why the kids are way cooler. I wish mine was was here. Yeah, I read and, a story. I read a story that he was uh, he had stayed at a or he had attended a U eighteen, um, or he he no, I forgot what it was. That might have been a different story. It might have been Henderson or, or Milner. I'm sorry. Never right. mind. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Arsenal, said. Arsenal slide to 11th with this uh, result. Villa sits 9th, four points ahead of Arsenal. So Villa have 35 points tallied. They still have two games in Villa hand. Villa still has a game. I was going to say, they still they, have games yeah. in hand, don't they? They've only played 21 matches. One of those matches. is against Tottenham. Have fun, man. Villa have, yeah, we're going <laughs> to Villa have 21 <laughs> matches, and most everybody else has 23. Does Spurs have 22? Uh, Spurs has 22. Everton only has 21 as well. So Everton, I mean, they win both games in hand. It slides them up to fourth. Which yeah, would be, that would be nice. Champions League Jeez, spot. That would kick Liverpool to fifth. Um, and also to mention for Arsenal, Odegaard gets a start. Um, I believe he started this game. And, I mean, he looked good. He was running that defense, obviously favoring the left foot as always. And he did have, like, 
a half. It wasn't even a half chance. It was like a quarter chance just to poke the ball. But Emiliano um, smothered it. And, yeah, Arsenal didn't have Almost, almost picked much. up a knock there, too, Emiliano. Yeah, when yeah. Just a dangling foot, which is expected. But, yeah, I don't know. Arsenal, 11th place. 11th place. We thought they were going to turn it around. Obviously, they have done much, much better. But you think on a day where they play there big stars and especially an Odegaard who is assuming to be a go-to for them. They would come out firing and kind of take it to a Villa side, but they failed to do so. Yeah. They'll grab the points and uh, Arsenal drop a couple spots down, but a little bit of a nail biter here. Burnley won Brighton one battle between uh, two sides who, well, I guess you could definitely say Burnley super defensive. I, I think, it's hard to pin a, a distinct identity on Brighton. Um, but either way, it was a pretty good game for a 1-1 draw. A powerful uh, dunk header. He is so I good mean, at fucking hitting the ball. It's He's insane. So good at it. It's absolutely insane. I feel like Dunk is a guy who really should, especially this season, have been picked up by like a bigger club. I'm not sure when he's re-signed with Brighton. I'm not sure where his contract situation is, but... This is like a, a really good, consistent center back who's been a good, consistent center back in the league for some time now. Like when Liverpool was shopping around, I think there was one point where I was like, why would, why would they not like make an offer on him? He seems like somebody who could come in a, right away and make a pretty huge difference. But yeah, it could boil down to cost. Um, but I think he would be a great fit, especially with like the center back that we signed in Ben Davies. Like Lewis Dunk is just a more pronounced championship center back. Regardless of how proven Ben Davies is in the championship, Lewis Dunk is not only defending at an extremely high level, he is scoring goals and like willing his team to victory. He's commanding the back line, orchestrating just performances. Dude, his his blocks, like when Liverpool played him, he was carving out blocks and I'm like you I, yep. I it's unbearable for an opponent to watch cuz you're like how does this guy yeah. get in those positions all the time? Yeah, positioning is really, really good on his end. Um, and like I said, I just, I don't know. I He, like, when he went to City, or no, when Nathan Ake went to City, uh, which, by the way, like, where did Nathan Ake go, you know? He picked up an injury. I was look, I looked him up recently because I was like, was it a year-long? It must have been a year-long thing, right? He must have no, really he, tore his shit up. <laughs> he picked it up recently, uh, well, about a couple of weeks ago, but uh, when I was looking up City, and I was like, oh, my God, they have Nathan Ake, who's like, I've always rated him highly, but I know he's had his, performances recently with City. But, yeah, but either way, I'm like, I, yeah. see, I see players like Nathan Ake moving to City, and I, I, I don't know, I just think that Dunk is a much safer insurance bet, you know? He's somebody who seems like a good team player. He would he would definitely take a move out of Brighton. I think he's probably a big Brighton guy. You know, he's played there a while. He loves it there. But if a team in, in the top six comes knocking and he can maybe contribute, even if it's only for a little while, to a club that's really competing for trophies, that's a, a huge moment in his career for him. So I, I'm, I'm always just a little bit shocked that he's where he is. Yeah. A little bit of a shakeup. We'll, no, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just one of those things we'll probably, we'll probably finish his career at Brighton. Yeah, it could be. A little bit of a shakeup down the bottom of the table, too. Um, it's Burnley now slide to, I believe it's 17th. So they're riding on the bubble now. Brighton was pretty much solidified in that 17th spot right outside the relegation zone, but now they're up into 15th. They haven't lost a game in five matches. Um, their current form sits on, I believe it's like, I know they beat Liverpool. Um, but, Love that one. 
yeah, let me check their current their current form is um draw win win draw win. So Yeah, they'd beaten Liverpool. They were they had beaten Liverpool and Spurs going into this game. Right. Yeah. They're on a high. They're a team that plays some pretty pretty decent attacking football for a like newly promoted side. It's kind of crazy. Are they newly promoted, or do they get promoted two seasons ago? No, they a couple a couple seasons ago they got promoted. But every season they're like down in the they're dumps a bubble and they team kind of for pull sure. themselves out. Yeah. So they have the players to score goals, like Connor said. So they do create a lot of opportunities. And if Brighton got sent down, dude, they would just come right back up. They would come right back up. Yeah, they have the. I mean, given they don't lose the players that they have, I'm sure players like Mape and Lamptey would probably maybe not Lamptey, but they'd lose a lot of their star players. Lamptey hasn't even down. been playing. He must have like a bad injury. I don't even know what the circumstances are around that. I haven't seen him. I, I haven't seen him play. But no, I know he's, it's been pretty quiet. I, I was going to say, speaking of players who had uh, kind of dropped off a bit, Lampy's been one of those guys where his performances were extremely standout. The first, you know, quarter of the season, he was really a red hot player, but seems to have teetered off a bit. But I mean, Brighton are still getting on decently okay without him, which is good to see. You know, a lot of times teams like like Brighton don't recover from 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 lapse in form like that. So it's good to see that they're still sticking to their identity and they're still getting a lot of good results. I mean, fanhood removed, getting a result against Spurs and Liverpool. I just can't believe they didn't win this game. You know, I feel like beating those two sides, you at least got two or three wins on the bounce after that, based on confidence alone. Like, oh, we. We whoop Spurs, we whoop Liverpool, we can beat anybody right now. But so I mean, that just shows how good a result it was for Burnley and shows how good they are to beat even on, you know, your team's best day. Yeah, agreed. I mean yep. looking up um so Tariq Lamptey, he picked up a hamstring injury, um, and he said he's expected back sometime in February, so hopefully he's approaching a return because he's just He's just box office when it comes to watching him on a weekend. It really makes you want to tune into those <clears throat> those games that you might think aren't as exciting but always turn out to be, um, especially like on a weekend like this. Jeez, Newcastle, Southampton. There's, there's a ton of games that were just That's our next game. Yeah, that's a pretty good segue. I mean, that might have been the game of the weekend, uh, Newcastle 3, Southampton 2. Um, we talked all that shit about Newcastle and it feels like since the, <laughs> the walls came crashing in on Steve Bruce and since it seemed like he was a dead man walking, they are putting together results and I'm dying to know what changed that. St. Maxie's back. St. Maxie's back. I think that's the number one. Thing. I mean, okay, but is, is he really the reason that they've turned it around in the way that they have? I mean, they're getting wins now. They, they were a relegation favorite and they're still, by the way, in the mud. They still have a lot of work to do and they're not in a good position, but I mean, this is a huge three points for sure. I think it's. I mean, I think it's obviously St. Maxian, and I think. I mean, Newcastle always have good. They've always had good players, especially this season. I like. I like their squad. So I think it's a lot of the players just realizing they're capable of much more, especially like Wilson, Almarone. Almarone has been in insane form since they've yeah. started winning these games. I think he had two. Um, I mean, one was a deflected goal, but yeah. And then Joe Willock coming in. I mean, that's a, big, a good signing for him. He's had. I don't think he's very favored in Arsenal. So uh, from the fans' point of view, but coming on to Newcastle and scoring Grabbing goals a goal. is huge. So I think I think it's the players coming together, not so much Steve Bruce's tactics. I think the players themselves, the leadership they have through Shelby and I think Lascelles is I think he's injured, but Fabian and Cher, like they have good players and they're capable of creating like creating chances for themselves and they're doing. They did so against Southampton. So 
Yeah, this is also a struggling Southampton side. They've lost four in a row now. Um, yep. This Dropped is a down team. To 12, they're that, eight, five, and nine. Yeah, what was it? Two months ago, we were talking about them being in the top four. They were first. They did they hit first, first at for, one point. it was like nine hours or something ridiculous. But, but still, that's what Spurs did, so I'm backing that up. So. Yeah. All right. We'll praise that. We praised them at the time, but now they're just. I Remember mean, when Spurs won the league in November? <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, yeah. And then Liverpool did in December, scene. and everyone was like, oh, Best they'll run Europe away with it. In November. Absolute scenes when Spurs were the first, <laughs> December 1st. And I was like, damn, call it. <laughs> um, Kane's not going to get hurt. We're never going to drop points. We're never going to get scored on. Yeah. Eric Dyer's playing great. Why did? Why was it November and it felt like the season was three quarters of the way over? <laughs> I, know. I know. It's only going to get worse if we uh, continue watching. Uh, yeah, Southampton, anyway, they dropped down to 12, like I said, 8, 5, and 9. Negative 8 goal differential, which feels really harsh for how well they've been playing all year. But, I mean, yeah. you can't they dominated this game. They, dom- this is, they had 74% possession to Newcastle's 26. They had more shots on, on target. So mm-hmm. it's like... I think, but to lose four in a row, that just shows that like they're not what they were cracked up to be. They're sitting in twelfth yeah, right Newcastle, now. Newcastle hopped to sixteenth. <clears> they're seven, four, and twelve. Um, I mean, the eighteenth place team is fifteen. So, Ward Prowse, they're ten points out of the relegation zone, and, and it's like it's it's oh it's yeah, so they're good. It seems like it's so unfair, and I'm not going to use the word unfair when I'm talking about big club versus little club like that or Earth thriving club versus struggling club but it's like you see a really good club lose one match and all of a sudden they drop from like first to fifth or like yeah. second to seventh and then like a bottom table club puts two wins together and god damn it all of a sudden they're like fighting for a europa league spot i'm like how are these points being distributed like, <laughs> i just again i just need to not ever look at the table until we're doing the podcast because the table never it's, it's frustrating to, to look at it's very yeah. frustrating especially Everybody's played like oh my five god. different games could you imagine being an Arsenal fan when you like feel like you won for like a month and a half straight and you're still in eleventh place? Like that's absolutely yeah. brutal. That surprised me when I saw that. I'm like, yeah. I thought they'd be in like eighth by now or seventh. They just, they've lost so many fucking games. They've lost so many games. It's like yeah. is that their ninth or tenth loss? Tenth, tenth. Um, Jesus. And I mean, a bright spot. Continuing, continuous bright spot for Southampton. Ward Prowse just. Casually hit a fucking thirty-two yep. yard free kick, like it was nothing. Like it none of his business. Dude. Yeah, Is that four times this season already. I think so. Yeah, I mean he had two and one it was game. More than that, he had two and one game. I think he leads. He leads Europe, or he's even on set piece direct free kick have, goals. Like, it's four. Does he still have more uh, more combined set piece this season than the rest of the league combined? Uh he yeah. Eh, I don't know about the rest of the league I thought combined. That was like he has more. I know he has and, the most direct. He's tied or has the most direct free kick goals in all of Europe. Like he has, I think I believe it is four from set pieces. He's automatic. He's automatic. Minamino on the score sheet. Got yeah, it. Southampton signing came through too. I mean, it's a good left footed blast. You love to see him on the score sheet. It 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 proves that he has the quality. Um, but I, I think I talked quite a bit about him last Connor, time. Remind me, re, remind me of your stance on the Minamino loan. <clears throat> yeah, I just think I think it's good for um, him. I think we it's questionable just because obviously Liverpool needs all the depth that they can get. But Minamino's a player that, in order to find form, I think he needs quite a bit of reps. So uh, he'll get a lot of time at Southampton, whereas at Liverpool he'll get 
30 minutes here he might get a start in the fa cup but he's not getting that repetition to be in the side and get as much volume and chances so at southampton he'll get more volume he'll be playing more and then hopefully we take him back off loan and um he'll be in a hot run of form and we'll get him into the side because he is a he is a quality player um but i have seen him struggle quite a bit at liverpool just with the physicality he's also asked of us like different things at liverpool where he'll be a face-up player so anytime he has pressure is at at his back he looks like he'll struggle to hold the ball up he's someone that you want to see more running at running from the midfield at like back lines so i think it's good for him and I mean, on the score sheet, so couldn't be happier. Fulham zero, West Ham zero. A stinker. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is... There, expect more from West Ham. There was, there was chances. Yeah. There was chances yeah. for each side. Yeah, you think we... Uh, I know we, we, we don't usually include FA Cup results in, but do you think given the uh, Hammers result today. They might be heading into a little bit of a teeter here. We might see them take a bit of a dip. Yeah, if we're basing know. it off teams is if we're basing it off how teams have, perform- have been performing based off like how they've been reacting to yeah. a tie, a loss here and there. It's, it's, it could it, happen. It can happen to anybody. Teams like West Ham who have a player like Suchek, you know, like when, when a club like that has a bad match, it's, 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 there's no chance. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other player they can really lean on or rely on. It just they still seem badly outgunned in in regards of where they are, and that's still a huge testament to David Moyes. Good on him. Like he's he's got a plan in place, and it's definitely showing. But what's also showing is is there's results like today and results like when they draw against. They really can't afford to draw against teams like Fulham. They have to they have to beat teams like Fulham in order to to give themselves enough insurance to stay where they want to be for the rest of the season. So. I'm not saying they'll take a dip so bad they'd fall into the bottom 10. They're definitely going to be a top 10 club this season, which is good for them. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think we are starting to see a little bit more indicative of who they really are. Yeah, given their past, too, they like they tend to go on these losing streaks. Um, but I know those are times with Pellegrini, and they bought a lot of players that went right for the club. But I think Moyes has the players that work best for his team. So, I mean, I think they'll be okay in the long run. Yeah, this was a match. Hey, they're uh, – No, this was a match played in the pouring rain at Craven Cottage. There was some controversy Uh in this match. Uh Uh, Yeah, the grounds managed not to be uh, overrun by the heavy rain, so it wasn't flooded or anything like that. But, (laughs) I mean, we... Scaffolding killed three people, but the field was great. (laughs) One thing that we... Fell to their deaths at halftime, but other than that, the grass looked awesome. Just plummeted. (laughs) Um, one thing, the point of controversy and what stole the show on this game was again, VAR, the referee, Mike Dean, the Suchek elbow. It was uh, clearly not a red card, uh, goes to VAR. Mike Dean deems it a red card on the sideline monitor in the 97th minute. This red card was overturned by the FA. So um Suchek won't face a ban for this red. But it just it's just like this is a clear and obvious example of like why do we why are we trusting VAR in these moments if this is what happens? Like the the official the VAR official says you gotta come look at this. The official goes and looks at it. It's an incidental elbow. Suchek was trying to raise his elbow and it like glanced Mitrovich's forehead. Um and obviously Mitrovic goes down 
holding his face, but you have to see that it's unintentional. He didn't swing his elbow or anything like that, and it was in an effort to dodge Mitrovic. Sorry, he's like 6'2", and he's a big-ass dude with a dome and a half on him. But yeah, Mike Dean also is a red-card-happy referee. I do disagree with the fact that he faced death threats after the game. That's just unacceptable. That, that is yeah. inhumane. That should Absolutely never be painful. happening or sur- within the surroundings of um, the game that we love. That just flat out can't happen so that's a shame to see like yeah it's it's probably not the right decision but that's just not what a human being deserves for out going out there and doing their best on any given day trying to do their job Suchek also released a pretty heartwarming I don't know if it was heartwarming but just a good statement all around he kind of touched on the fact that it's like why it's almost I don't know it's so contradictory for this decision to go under review by the FA after the decision was made on the field. He said, Suchek said he'd rather just let the decision stand on the field as is and then move on. Like the call was made on the field. We, we live with it. Yeah. It might not have been the right call, but then when you have a board of oversight overturn the call, it's just like, that makes things look 10 times worse. It's, it's brutal. So, yeah. I mean, a, a couple things. So I'm a little bit torn in regards to the VAR call because in one way, it's, it's really good that in the end, the right decision was made. All in all, at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, Suchek got a reverse. Clearly, it was not it was not on purpose. Clearly, he deserved to have that red card rescinded, rescinded and that's a good thing. You know, I, 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 I was, felt really good when I saw that because it just felt like for the first time there was justice. So many times that call just... It doesn't get swept under the carpet, but it just it doesn't get overturned. On the other hand, it's also really shitty that it takes as much time as it does for something like that. The right decision to get made. It, it, the right decision was ultimately made, but it took entirely too long. And it's like every single podcast, every single fan is looking at the TV saying the same thing. Like, if I could see this right now and it was clear as day to me, how the fuck did it take 24 hours for that decision to be made? Why did this need to get turned into the thing that it did? And it would have saved Mike Dean, who admittedly made the wrong decision, would have saved him a hell of a lot of trouble. But like, and then to your point about the whole, about the harassment he's seeing online, like, I think we've all been as angry as we could possibly be. And I've seen plenty of shit results when I know that you guys are watching my team play too. And you always feel like personally responsible when your team plays like shit and your, and your friends are watching. I don't think it's ever, ever amounted in like oh i'm gonna find this player online and like say even if you find them online and say like hey you suck that's like thousands of steps behind like sending a fucking death threat to something it just it's crazy in the same, it's the same issue with the players who are seeing racial discrimination i really do feel like it's now more and more in the social media company's hands than ever and the fa is taking action they're starting to say we will start to it's, it's unlawful to act like the way that these people are doing online and it's up to the social media companies to, to put it in their own hands and to fix the shit that's going on on their app, by the way, and, and get that shit cleaned up because it's happened so many times. And it's like it, the shit that like Aaron Wambasaka has put out, like Marcus Rashford has put out. And of course, Twins the handle with, with, with class. Yeah, Twins Debbie. It's just like it, it, it's shitty that, that there's people who walk around and call themselves fans and get up every day and do the same things we all do, but they're just, they're just fucking animals. Absolute yeah. animals. Yeah. Totally messed up. Totally on, 
um, unwarranted. So, Mike I mean, Dean, I, we support been, you. Yeah, and we do support Mike Dean. I've been I've been fuming at Mike Dean, but like it's, it's yeah. there's there's always a level of when I see his name on the lineup sheet, I'm like, oh boy, we're in for a good one today. Like, <laughs> I got cards coming left and right. Yeah, he, he's no also just himself. Like he's a character, and like we can appreciate that in the football world. Like that's how it goes. Ref. Dude, refs are a different breed. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. How, like, and I've never hung out with a, a Premier League referee or even any type of soccer referee for that matter, but it's so strange to think that somebody could love the game, like, in the same way that we do, but it doesn't translate to, like, fanhood. Like, there's a degree of, like, the, he, like some emotion is pulled from it. It's still what they love to do. But, like, when you're at a game and you see a crazy screamer and we're, like, screaming and running around the fucking room and yelling <laughs> and they're just, like, calling it a goal. Like, it's just, they're always, I don't know, I'm not even really sure what I'm, what I'm getting at. It's just, like I they think keep it's so commendable. Their reactions are so, blue, baby. like, just, just another day, basically, is, like, what you're trying to say. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. You it's, can't give any sort of, like, when I think of, like, companies screamer to, like, when they beat City, oh, which dude, gave yeah. them the title. And you're, and you're the ref on the field, and he's just holding his arm up like goal. I'm like, dude, I would be, like, ripping my shirt off. Like, I couldn't believe I, I was there when that happened. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's cool to, to think of somebody growing up and being, like, somebody who's our age, and they're like, no, I don't really have a favorite team, but I would love to be on the field officiating and, like, dictating the flow of the game and calling fouls. And it's just, a, it's like a very ancient art. It's like. There's not a lot of things like it, and obviously it goes across the board for all sports. But I mean, oh, yeah. it, it is very cool. To think I mean, about. So definitely it's even shittier str- when when stressful one too. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> well, stressful enough, so shitty when they go through things yeah, like that. I was going to say guess, it's like you're putting yourself in a position, regardless of if you call the perfect game, you're going to get ridiculed no matter what. So it's like the fact that they have the stones to do that and just just for the yeah. sake of the game is unbelievable and something that you can commend. You know, it's like you, you shit on the refs now, but what are you going to do if there weren't refs, you know? It's like they're, they're yeah, exactly. part of the game. They're, they're the black and white stripes on the field, and, and I, I think it's cool that everybody has a different personality. We've all been watching long enough now to where, like, Mike Dean's not the only recognizable name on that list. Like, you at this point, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy called this game, and he was around for that call, so... Um, I miss Mar- cool. I miss Mark Clam I miss Mark Clam Clamberg, yeah. Clamberg was He's a man. He was the took the payout in China though. That was sad when he yeah. did yeah. that. He's he officiated so many finals. It's insane. Absolutely he was so he, oh, he never had a bad game. He never had no. a bad game. I swear. No. He really didn't. And and to Mike Dean's credit too, he's also been only been in the Premier League for like twenty five fucking years. So it's not like you do a job that long. And you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so. exactly. And they and the, and VAR is new to them too, and. Yeah, a lot of it's in their hands. They're still seeing the same thing we are, but like the the, the rules of GVR are not clear, and they're probably struggling a little bit as well to keep everything consistent and to make the right call. And what's right to them could be completely different than what's right to us, and that's just the whole objectivity thing, which is the whole problem with VAR. So it's not directly their fault. Right. They they just like everybody else need more information in order to do their jobs correctly. Um. You know, not to say it wasn't, again, it wasn't a bad call, but, I mean, I do think that it's, it's very easy to direct every single bit of negative energy towards that individual as opposed to really understanding, like, where it's all coming from. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I do that on a anyway, regular basis. <laughs> I throw shade at yeah, the referee sure. when I know my team should have just handled the yeah. game way better. <laughs> I, I do in FIFA, um, even though it's all simulation. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely in FIFA. 
Andrew, here we go. Here we go, baby. United three, Everton three. Yeah, let's go. Let's a go. last minute DCL winner. Uh, I should have written down maybe a few more questions to ask you. I guess my first my first question is, and I saw the DCL goal. What was the, uh, David De Gea doing? I don't think it was. I mean, don't you go going, out and smother that ball? Why? What? What? What was he doing halfway up? Halfway yeah, down. Yeah, but so David De Gea, yeah, not the best game. Um, we talk about if we're going to talk about the, the last de- goal, we should talk about the second one as well. With uh, no, the first one with the Decore. Decore, yeah. He, um, I, I honestly think this is a defensive problem, not a goalkeeper problem. As I think it's more of a defensive problem. Why can't it be both? It can be both, but I think the biggest the biggest issue to pay point out is De Gea will have his bad games, especially. I mean, he's had a couple of bad games this season, um, but he's been on a hot streak, and while he's getting most of the stick, when we should be honestly criticizing the likes of Lindelof, McGuire, um, Shaw's been in form, but he was on on that day. He was very checked out. Wasn't closing down his man quick enough. He wasn't paying attention. I mean, when DeCorey was making the run in to, the, to tap it in, he was just, he looked over his shoulder once. I really watched the highlight. Looked over his shoulder once. Just doesn't even pick him up. The ball gets weakly pushed out. DeCorey just slides it in. Luke Shaw is like nowhere to be found. Um, this, the, la- the second goal was Rodriguez. First off, Rodriguez is in miles of space around the 18. Marking Luke Shaw was does not terrible. Close down. <laughs> Luke Shaw does not close down. Don't I think I think it was Richarlison just not close him down fast enough, and I'm like, dude, what are you? I'm like, what are you doing? Close down like you're supposed to. Like as soon as we turn over the ball, you need to close down every every potential goal scoring opportunity. And Maguire, I don't, don't even get me started on Maguire. He had one of his worst games, I think. First off, the 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 Corey goal leading up to that, he gets outpaced easily. It's like he's a like he's a wall. He can't even turn. Or like a plane, if you're trying to turn all the way around, a plane trying to turn is like it's like watching grass grow. It takes forever. Um, and you're not makes, using the right turf seed, man. But we'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just think McGuire had a poor game, turning the ball over way too easily. Uh, I think there was an instance where he literally like fell, expecting a foul to be called against him on him. And oh yeah, the, the play continued, and oh, thank God, he, like threw um, his hands up. Everton missed, but uh, I mean, going forward, we scored. We, we scored three goals, no problem whatsoever going forward. But I think in the midfield, to the back line, we're we're lacking that sort of uh, that solid player that can really shut down goal scoring chances and build build up play. Uh, McTominay's not a defensive midfielder. We've been seeing that recently. He's been scoring. He's, he's an offensive midfielder. He's, yeah. he's a striker now. <laughs> he's been scoring. He's scored the last four games, including today. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just think defensively is a huge issue. With, there's a huge issue with United. No problems going forward at all. We create. We have Bruno. We have Pogba. I mean, he's out right now. But we have all the players to create our great opportunities for ourselves. But defensively, we need to make some signs. You guys love scoring three goals, don't you? You we guys just con- always we lo- score three goals. We love conceding three goals as well. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys concede too. I mean, you've, you've definitely won more than you've lost. But I feel like three has been the magic number for United. Not in the sense that you need to score three to win, because clearly this didn't happen on that weekend. But oh, not not, not only did McGuire fuck up goals, have United scored this season? Like, what's their goal differential? I think we have like. They're I think outside I'm of, looking it up right now. United goal. have a 19 goal differential. That's good for second best in the league behind Cities, who behind have skyrocketed City. to 29, which is just fucking bonkers. But. Not only did McGuire mess up those times on the last goal, he keep he kept. 
Calvert Lewin onside. And then he had his hand yeah. in the air waving offside. He kept every he player on Calvert Lewin onside. <laughs> like, oh my he, God. He just looks less intelligent as a player every time I watch him yeah. play. Like, it was like, Today, okay, he, he fumbles his feet or he looks shaky passing the ball out of the back, but now it's like. His soccer IQ is becoming to become an, it's so he, coming into question. Like here's yeah. like what the question I posed to you, Andrews United fan. Like, and this is sort of a double question. Going into this offseason, there's two players who I think you could easily consider mainstay United starting eleven players. And I'm just not sure that they're good enough to be in the positions that they're in. And those two players are David De Gea and Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is with you. cost you I disagree with that. With both De Gea. I think De Gea is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's had like every goalie they have their off days. So no Henderson yet. No, we don't call the Henderson. We don't think maybe I Henderson think Henderson's is a starter not. going into next season. I don't think Henderson's ready. I think after next season De Gea you can follow him out and put Henderson in. I still think McGuire, Henderson McGuire, however. What the hell do you do with Harry Maguire? Because you might I don't need know. to go get a better center back in order Hope to Hope you win can sell him and get some profits so, back. I don't who, know. who buys Harry Maguire? I don't so, it's so interesting like what, what club he goes to from United. So as you guys have mentioned this, I think Connor has, like, the issue with that is that we bought him for $80 million. I don't know if the, the Glazers are going to want to sell or Woodward is going to want to sell for a price that they don't, that they can make, or not make profit, but, like... They're going to lose, like, $40 million. Potentially, potentially re- reach it. Like, if, if like, we don't get the right price, we're not going to sell him. So I'm worried that we're just not, we're just going to deal with him until his contract is a year off. But... Um, I think he needs to be replaced immediately. I think when a lot of things to be replaced immediately, I don't think those two, I don't know why Ole trusts them so much. Eric Bailly is like a, I know he's like glass. He breaks easily. Two and has been yeah. facing problems on and off the pitch. So um, it's unfortunate. I think he's a huge talent, but I think he's not ready yet. I think we need to keep Bailly, keep two and Zebe, get rid of Lindelof and bring two center backs in. One preferably that's younger and another that's um, established center back. And maybe McGuire yeah. drops to the bench. Yeah, or we sell him. I, I would love to sell him. I, I'm I'm actually sick of him. I today I watched him against West Ham. Oh my god, he picked the ball up. He the ball was turned over. He picks it up, and he oh, attempts to like, meg. He attempts to meg a West Ham player. I'm like, what are you doing? I feel Clear like Andrew. Ball. That's that's the literal one the player ball. that the Glazers wouldn't sell. Like yeah, I think that could be the one player that they're like, nope, sorry, you you begged me for one of these a couple <laughs> years ago when the market sucked, and I had to buy you this this one, which I admit, again, the market wasn't great for him, but yeah. or for a center back at the time, but they would still say, no, man, you gotta you gotta make something out of out of yeah. what you have right now because we I spent th- too much goddamn money. And I, th- I, I don't th- think I don't think it's our, our outside backs. I don't see a problem. I know Luke Shaw can get caught out positionally, and so outside backs not a problem. But I, I agree. I, that that will happen, but I think we look at a, a solid defense. Defense, it's your two center backs. Who are they? Oh, yeah. how are they commanding your outside backs? How are they commanding your defensive midfielders? How are they controlling the game, basically? So, um, yeah, I think going forward, McGuire, we either sell him or bench him, and we bring someone in with who knows who to play center back. Tough pill to swallow if you sell him. I think maybe at best you loan him out. He proves that he has some sort of form or can hit. I just I any can't sort? picture him at any other club. I can't we won't, think we of won't loan out an eighty million dollar signing. No way, no <laughs> way. He's gone. Or he's, he's on the bench. He would he would just go to the bench, and I and I would hope it didn't turn into like an ugly contract situation. How much was he? How many? How long was the deal for when you guys signed him? Um, I think it was something worth that much. Probably four to five years. 
and he's what two years in now. Two years, yeah. After this yeah. season, it'll be two. Oh, only two so more years he's got to watch. The rest of this. Yeah, well, that's fun I for mean, us, we'll huh, Tristan? And you know what? It is fun for us. You know what, too, is uh, and and as somebody who's really given Ollie a lot of shtick, go back earlier podcast episodes. I was like calling him a gym teacher and maybe <laughs> some some nasty shit that I I now I would use maybe a little bit more eloquent of a term if I didn't think he was qualified, but. Um, you know, I'll be a, a man here and say uh, he's really turned it around this season. I still think I'm not quite ready to say, yeah, he's your guy moving forward. He's going to be the Another new my. mainstay guy. But I think he at least at this point, and there's still a lot of season left, right? There's still a lot that can happen. And he had a couple bad results in Champions League. So this is a big, I think Europa League is actually very big for him. He can go this offseason to the board and slam that table and go, I am I need you to go buy me somebody else here. If I ask you to bring me another player, I need you to be able to make me one more signing because I'm showing you that with what I have, I can get results. Maybe Sancho, you make another bid on Sancho. Maybe there's another player you, you reach out to, like you said, a center back in the market, open Meccano if he's available. But not I kind of think Ollie can, can puff out not available. Which one? available. That would he's also a, be a great pick. Yeah. But I, I feel like he can kind of go into that boardroom and puff out his chest a little bit and say, I'm, I've been here long enough now. I've been disrespected by media. I've been told that yeah. I don't know how to do this. And I keep showing you that even when it's going really tough, I can still pull this team out of the dump and get a result. So, and Pog was he back, definitely so. deserves. He definitely deserves it. And I, don't, I was upset with the Everton game, but I didn't blame Ole on the Everton game. I don't blame – you have to blame – like at this point, shit players are shit players. Play, we yeah, got a couple players, too that are consistently doing this every single game is yeah. you can't change. You can't take that out of a player, especially one that is established as McGuire in terms of like his history playing. So yeah. And, and when you I'm, watch them play, like it comes down to player error errors. It doesn't come down to tactical area errors. No. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, it's marking is certainly something that's questionable, whether that boils down to tactics I guess you could raise the question, is Ole doing enough to strengthen the side defensively with the players that he has? Um, but I don't, it's it's so tough. I mean, as far as this season goes, I think the defensive lapses that United's proven to have kind of takes them out of the title race. Um, yeah. Jamie, Jamie Carragher made a very good point, or at least something that I could kind of see eye to eye on and the fact that like when you look at this United side, when they were in the title race and they're pushing for like victory after victory, it was more or less them just happy to be here. This is paraphrasing what Carragher said. They're just happy to be up there, but it never truly felt like they were chasing the title. Like it's not, they weren't totally bought in. Um, And I think their shake like the mentality has drifted away from that now and like united's a team that like if they're up there they're in second like chase the title like that's what they're a club that's supposed to do that every single season they could be in fourth and it's like we're chasing a title um but i think they've lost that little bit of edge and like these little defensive errors and inconsistencies surface at the wrong times and it just like all right, they could hit a run of three, four games in form, but it's like you know that evidently that will be coming. Like it's imminent at this point. Um, so it's just, I mean, run away for City maybe. United, are, I think, are still a few players short of, of being that team that chases for the title every year. I think that's you, you – 
Connor, you just put it perfectly, their identity. They might not always be the clear-cut number one in the league, but United are a team that always come April, come May, you know, even that they, they are hovering. They're always going to be in Champions League fight. They're always going to be a threat to finish top. They're never going to be out of the race completely. Yeah. Teams that yeah. teams that are in that position, though, you think what are like some of the staple characteristics of those teams? A good center back. One, at least one really good leader, hard-nosed center back who points around when the result's not going their way and says, we're turning this around right now. You don't really have that. Harry Maguire's not that. He can put in a really good shift and he can be a good leader on the field at times, but um, I think from when the off-field shit started with him to when he was having maybe a little bit of trouble pegging down that, that locker room and being that leader, the performances have been really suspect. So I think he's... You just look at you look at United's back line, you think there's still some work to be done, which is where I hope, again, like I said, Ali goes into that. Well, I don't hope, but I would like to see for Ali, you know, that he goes into that, uh, you know, front office and says, listen, I need you to get me another guy here, and I'm going to show you what that can do this next season. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I think I think we're in for at least, we're in for two trophies at least. I know the title might be gone, but we have the Europa League and we have the FA Cup, so. Hopefully you don't sign another uh, $80 million center back. <laughs> Yeah, That'd be a bad him. luck. Or if you do, just sign a good one, man. Yeah, well, he literally. was good at the time. He, he was really good at the time. I don't get what happened. Yeah, I don't there know. was no other center backs available on the market, but he was good. Um, moving on, Spurs get a victory two nothing over West Bromwich. Um, which so man? Kristen, take um, the points where I can get them at this point. My question for you, sure. Is, no, I don't so, want to see Eric Dyer in the lineup ever again. I think so. Are you? <laughs> that was funny. So, and obviously, Kane is Kane's back in the squad, and yeah. you guys win. So, how 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 important is he to your team at this point? With the, uh, he is listen, your team. So, when I when I when I saw this result, and when I saw how the game broke down. Um, you know, it, I was about 50-50. I was really glad we had three points because we were just hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging points. It was still a game in hand, and it's just it's a big three points because that's not guaranteed this season. It also was a bit off-putting that it was Kane's first game back, and he was the goal scorer. And, and, and he was kind of unequivocally the man of the match. I just... You can say like that's that's kind of how Mourinho teams are. He kind of builds one absolute monster up top and then a steady back. You know, like we've said this a thousand times, but we we literally don't get goals from anywhere else. And and what's even worse is not only do we not get goals, but everybody else's gameplay goes to shit when he's not playing. And, and when when Sun's not playing well and when Kane's off the field, we just look absolutely atrocious. We're damn near unwatchable. We're one of the most unwatchable teams in the league. So. I think there's a lot, lot, lot of work to be done. Probably not this season, but coming this summer in terms of, of, look, we gave Gareth Bale a chance. Maybe he's not completely out of it yet, but he's not been the backup striker that we needed. For whatever reason, Mourinho just does not call on Vinicius. So, I mean, like, every fan can tell you right around the same time each year Kane gets hurt, and then we we take a dip because of how important he is. So, again, I'm glad for the three points, but to your point exactly, it was like, listen, this is like a huge red flag that's being waved right now, and it's waved constantly. So we need to actually find a backup striker if we're not going to use the one we signed. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I mean, even when Kane's on, when Kane's on there, Son 
is not how the player he is, which is interesting because he was on the score sheet as well. Um, and it wasn't always like that either. It was. It hasn't always been that way because when Kane was hurt last year, he he son went off. He was like yeah. he, he was so happy being the only source of offense on our in our in our club, and he was a completely new player. So it's like they complement each other nicely. But I mean, it, it's really shitty, and, and you can't all then point and say like, oh. Kane is their whole team because while he is probably eighty percent of our of our production, I mean players' forms dip and and confidence is a huge thing with Tottenham as well. It seems like we kind of have really high highs and really low lows. Um, and it was a low low we were going through, and, and Son was really feeling that. So I think you make a really good point. It's disheartening when we have one guy providing all our victories, but they're victories right now, and we'll take them any way we can get them. I just hope he can stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a, a good, a fun player to watch. Two plays that we didn't touch on. I know we're done talking about United, but Bruno's goal and then Hoiberg's pass to Kane. Those yeah, are just, yeah, yeah. Um, Bruno's goal is... We had some treats to snack a, on this weekend sure, between Ward yeah, Prowse's free kick, Bruno's stand-up goal back post, mm-hmm. and then that cutting through ball to right into that Kane's That was a beautiful feet. Hoiberg ball. Yeah. Yeah, Hoiberg it really was. That. I mean, he, It's the second one he's, he's played this target. season. He's been doing. I was gonna say he's been doing that uh, all season. I mean, he's such a tough ball recovery player that that his passing really does almost go under the radar. Um, I mean, yeah, it just shows how how good a signing he was. How he that like, I remember thinking too, if if we had even drawn to West Brom, he Jose would have almost assuredly been sacked. I really thought that would have been it if we had not gotten a result there. And I was thinking, like, what's the best thing I can say Jose did for Spurs in his time if he were to be sacked? And it's definitely bringing in Hoiberg, 100%. For the business that he did and the player that we now have and how much he loves Tottenham, like, that would be unequivocally his... It's so far his biggest achievement other than getting us to a cup final, but I'm not calling that an achievement unless we walk away with a cup. Right. Uh, but anyway, moving on to Wolves 0, Leicester 0. A little surprise, there was no... Uh, no goals in the back of the net this game, but uh, either way, both game to watch. Point. It was. Game to watch. Um, Neto is absolutely like one of the best players in the league. He at, turned at, at he, driving at, at driving at players. It's absolutely insane. He turned Ricardo Boyd inside with, out like yeah. two or three times. It was just Johnny mm. Evans. Johnny Evans too. Oh I, my gosh! I saw him pick the ball up and run fifty yards and was able to create an opportunity for Dama Traore, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's something. Yeah, he's he's, a, something he's special. an absolute player." And I don't see him staying at Wolves. I don't see him staying at Wolves. Jeez, if he keeps Milwaukee. this form up, I could see like a a Barca trying to steal him this seat, like summer. Like it could be that crazy of an upgrade for him. He's playing unbelievable football right now. He's unguardable. Yeah. No one can stand him up in the box and try and win a challenge on him. Absolutely no one. Yeah, yeah. He's he's certainly a problem, and it's almost a shame that that he's likely not going to be long for Wolves because he does fit in really well at that club. He looks like a Wolverhampton Wanderers player and yeah, he does. Like he gets along well with the rest of the, the players and he fit, really fits in that style. I'm sure Nuno would not be quick to let him go. Even if, you know, somebody brought in a, a fat wallet, I think, I think somebody can always give you money and you can always get rid of a player, but then it's like, it doesn't really solve your problem. Even if you get a whole heap of cash for someone like Neto, you got to make sure you invest that cash properly. You're losing right. a surefire good player, and not like the, the loan, the trades even happened yet. So it's like this is all hypothetical. But if some other team were to come in and buy a player like Neto, a coach like Nuno would need to be would need to say, "Hey, I'm like 
even if somebody pays a lot, this is a this is a huge guy to us. I don't know if I can get if we're as good a team without him in the lineup, regardless if I have to keep a cash or not. So, yeah. He's Wolves lifeline really going stuff. forward right now too. Like he's the only one offering it was him and Potence earlier, but Potence Potence has gone a bit quiet and Neto really is the only one trying to fill that void to go get goals as far as um in the absence of Raul. So um th- yeah, Wolves is going to need to hang on to him, frankly, um, to give them a fighting chance. Adama Traore did have a good game, though. He did create some chances for Wolves. He toyed with uh, James Justin at one point. It was pretty. It's pretty you don't often see that because Justin's been a pretty solid player he on just, both sides of the ball this season. He just ran by him and used his body to shield the ball and created a chance for. Neto was at the end of it, actually, but wasn't able, was unable to put it away. He saw Nuno's reaction. Pissed off. <laughs> yeah, Understand, understandably, but and um, I think Wolves will definitely be very unhappy with their position this season. Still, they're in 14th. They're seven, six, and ten. Uh, which again, once once you really look at the table, uh, I mean they've they've played the maximum amount of games you can as well. So they're really they're maxed out on all their point opportunities. But been a little bit disappointing for them this season for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely the yeah. case. 14th. Jeez, that is harsh for them. Yeah, Holy for real. Cow. I mean. Big result against Leicester, though, who are in third. They're 13, 4, and 6. Uh, they're 43 points, just two behind United there. So uh, that's a, that's a, but that is a big point. I mean, again, it's like a draw. They really need three points as opposed to just one. But Leicester are beating a lot of teams this season. So, I mean, that's, that's a big result for them right now. Yeah. And moving on to our marquee Sunday game, which was an absolute pleasure to watch, honestly, regardless of the outcome. I wanted a draw, but we had Liverpool 1, Manchester City Four, and which was a pretty a pretty silencing, convincing win for the citizens this season. I needed I needed Connor. Uh, what did you think? I needed Liverpool to win this game. Okay. This game. Yeah, I mean, we were for the first time in like two fucking years Liverpool fans because <laughs> we kind of needed them to get a result against City. Like as long so as we see them in a slide of form, it's like, damn, I kind of need City to drop points. But man, man, did they get three points today or Sunday? Yeah. Um Connor, has uh has Liverpool exited the title race? Yeah. Yeah, we're fighting for top four now. Um and that's just you have to be realistic. Like assuming City wins their game, they're thirteen points clear of us, so there's no chance we're making that gap up. City's not gonna drop that many points in the remainder of the season. Allison had a day to forget. Um to Questionable passes out of the back obviously translate to goals for City. That's unfortunate. That's just he had a bad day, and every keeper has a bad day. Allison has saved our butt a numer- on a numerous occasions. Um, so yeah, as much as it sucks, like I, I don't like seeing a four-one scoreline. I don't think that's a fair scoreline. Liverpool had chances to create goals. Sadio. Had a head ball off of a Trent cross prior to either team scoring. Um, granted, City did miss a penalty, but Liverpool put themselves in good positions as they always do to score. And right now, we just don't have that scoring knack. I don't know why. I don't know what's changed. But when we're in front of net, we're not putting balls away. Firmino had a volley attempt that like tested the goalie. So it's not like. As much as we were out of this game, we weren't out of this game. City didn't open the scoring until the second half. Like, um, 
it's just it, it's really it's frustrating as a Liverpool fan. But all you can do is like look at the reality of the situation, understand that this is not the Liverpool side of last season. Yeah, we had good form. I mean, it's it's crazy how people turn on a dime. Like in December, people were like, "Oh, Liverpool's going to run away with the league, regardless of what happens." But like, I don't think, like, I, I never expected that because look at look at what we have. Look at what we're trying to do. We're trying to play a center midfielder in the back line. That just doesn't work in the Premier League. Yeah, they can put in a shift. Henderson, he'll put in a shift. He'll put his ass on the line for the team. And it's not his defending that's our downfall. It's the fact that we need him going forward in the midfield. We need him to get stuck in, win challenges in the midfield. And frankly, that's, I mean, Klopp's lineup on the day, I would have liked him to to play one of our signings. I know he came out and said that he's not rushing either center backs into the side, but it's like, look, like one's, one's a loanee deal till the end of the season. Why did we take him on loan if we're not going to play him? Like that's, and honestly, I would have rather play Ben Davies at center back. You push Henderson up into the um, ranks of the midfield, and that just changes the game completely. So, yeah, it's it's a day to forget just for Liverpool fans, but like we have to come together. This is a team being tested. We're not playing our best football, but, I mean, we're playing good enough football to get the job done. And there's some bad luck in the mix, whatever it might be. Um, I don't like – I wasn't a huge fan of Klopp's like post match comp like press conference just in like everyone was like oh he said Allison had cold feet these are all things that I just feel obligated to touch on because I know you guys are gonna shit on me for it but like him saying that Allison had cold feet he said that somewhat jokingly um but he was like yeah there's no explanation it to it as to why he um just didn't have a good day Klopp said um he saved us a bunch of times and he has so it's like yeah, what what do you want me to say to the fact that Alice, like one of our players had there's no explanation to it, so he just offered it in a frustrated, joking manner of like, oh, he had cold feet. It's just like and then there's Roy Keane. Like I, I hated everything Roy Keane had to say of oh, we're bad champions, but like No. What like what do you no, that's not the case. He was one that hopped on the bandwagon in fucking December that said we had a chance and we're probably the clear favorite to go and win the league. So as far as being bad champions, that's not the case. And he says, oh, to settle for top four now? We're not settling for top four. If he criticized the press conferences that players hold after the games saying that, oh, yeah, these these players are now settling. Like, no, Robbo, the last three or four results, every time he comes out and says, we need to be better. We understand in training. We're pushing ourselves every day. So to say that we've been complacent to finish top four just because we've had a very bad run of form is just unfair to every player out there. And, the, I mean, I can say it on and on, but, like, the injury troubles, this is unbelievable. Our top three center back choices. You couldn't do enough business in the summer window to make up for that. And if we went and, right. if we went and signed three center backs this summer, everyone would be like, why the fuck is Liverpool spending all this money on center backs to sit behind Gomez, Matip, um, Van Dyke? Like, why, why would we go and spend $120 million on an array of center backs when we have these players. It's just like, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it, but it's just, it's frustrating for reporters to flip on a dime like that. So that's my take. I disagree with some, some of the things you said. Um, 
A, the fact that you're saying it's unfair. I mean, you should look at the criticism United has gotten, Tottenham's gotten, Arsenal's gotten. I know Arsenal have been shit, but like, like the moment teams and coaches and players start to like, every player wants to do their best, and just because they're saying it doesn't mean that they're not going to get shit on. They're not going to get the media is not going to talk down to them. We're going to make these comments. It's just part of how it goes. And I think you haven't realized that like it's not unfair. It's just how the game goes. And Liverpool is playing. Yes, they play well. And like you said, they didn't get opened up until the end of, until the, end of the game. But at the end of the day, they still lost 4-1. Like, if you're playing that well, you do not let City put four past, put three, four past you. Two of them of were fighting. blatant errors that translated to goals. That's like when McGuire has a bat. Like, dude, it's just two yeah, errors. That doesn't happen like, every single day. That doesn't happen every day. And you can't. I think Allison is a world class. Allison is a world class keeper, and to like not give him a break on a day is kind of crazy. Yeah, four one. Okay, man. They had, they had one bad game after four seasons of doing so well. He immediately is is, is touted as like he's done. And I know he had some poor performances, but still, you have to take you have to take these criticisms and just move on. Like it's it's not something that you can really harp on because other other teams and other coaches get it. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I understand I that, but to go to the extent to be like, oh, they're bad champion, that just seems like, like, dude, you were on the bandwagon in December, so it's like... Yeah, like, and, and unfortunately, about? Liverpool is going to be doomed by their own standard. City set a pretty remarkable standard the two seasons before, and then Liverpool just showed what it's like to steam through the league all year. Right. Maybe not score as many goals as City did or look as sexy doing it, but they got results in a way that no club in the league's history ever had. So I know a lot more goes into it when these two teams match up because they really don't like each other and it's become a classic match every single time they play. I really just I feel like this can be chalked up to a struggling Liverpool side ran into the best side in the Premier League. Yeah. Again, where I say a lot more goes into it, there's a lot of players on the Liverpool side that look around and say, we're not losing 4-1 to this city today. We might draw. This might be a nail-biter. It might be tough. We might get hurt, but we're not going to get blown out of the water like we did. So that's where I'm I'm confused at this result. I just I was I was really shocked, and I thought, to on Klopp's end, a little surprised we didn't see either of the signings. I thought sticking with the guys you normally play with was not arrogant, but I think now is the time to play to, to sort of make a move here and, and see, mm-hmm. hey, we are we are several points behind this team. I want to try and maybe throw in Ben Davis, see what he looks like, maybe do something different with the lineup. Use one of these players you've signed instead of just using who you've used in the past, which showed that, like, again, Henderson has, has been an okay center back. Fabinho, you could argue, has been much, much better than okay center back. But, I mean... Use the players you have. You just went out and got a signing on the last day of the window, which which a lot of people didn't think was going to happen. Use them. Like this is the time to try and make a move, make a coaching move. Maybe it backfires in your face, but they couldn't. I mean, it's not the alternative is what losing four to one to City. So With it's the like, same lineup. Why, yeah. Yeah. Why would you not just go out and right. try and get this guy some confidence? He probably knows how to play center back to a better degree than Henderson still does, having been playing it a lot of this season. So uh, right. I just didn't quite get that. And and his press conference was a little off putting and. Listen, I was a journalism major, so I've asked people questions that maybe they don't want to be asked at the time. So I have empathy for both sides. Right. A manager, I think there, there are times a manager who has a tough loss. What the fuck do you want them to do? They're incredibly emotional human beings. They've invested their whole lives into this. 
and all of a sudden you're sticking a microphone in their face. And as rude as we've seen managers be to reporters this season, which doesn't make me feel good, you always get a snide reporter. Like, a, you guys got blown out today. Your title hopes are pretty much done. What would you say? And it's like, fuck you, buddy. You could not do what I do. You just wish you could do what I do. And that's why you're here with the microphone in your hand. And that's like part of the cold truth about it, Like, which isn't to say that it's totally true, but it's like you can, you can kind of tell from an interview who was in the right and who was in the wrong. And it seems like Klopp is just freaking the fuck out having been asked, like, fair questions. The guy who was yeah. asking him the question sounded shit terrified, like a shitting dog. Right. Like, yeah. I, I just, I was yeah. trying to, I just had one more. And he was like, you had two questions, you had two questions, you had two. And it was like, it seemed like Klopp was totally bullying this dude. And that was what was, like, indicative from the interview. And I'm like, damn, Jurgen, like, this is your kind of your first bad stretch in, like, two seasons. And you're, like, already shitting bricks a little bit. Like, I... I don't know. I just expected a little bit more composure because I've seen Pep be extremely composed in the past with when he's under fire. I think Pep is the king of the press conference and he shows that every yeah, year. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean... Ole, Ole gets shitted on and just keeps just keeps rolling with it. He's like... Ole too. Yeah. Ole should leap over a desk at some point. Some of the shit that's hurled <laughs> I don't his think way. that and guy like, can... Again, it almost looks like he just doesn't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he cares. I think United like, right. could be up 3-0 and he'll be sitting on his in his chair on the touchline. United could be down yeah. 3-0 and he'll just be sitting in his chair with his legs crossed <laughs> on the so touchline. Yeah. And I mean, I don't way. know. I just... I've, I've been... I've been a little bit I've been a little bit uh off put by by Klopp's conferences this year. I just think this is the first time he's really in the neck of it and if he really wants yeah. to show that he can pull his team out of a tough situation, he'd handle these a little bit better. So again, I but I do get having getting smoked by City, a team he probably hates, going to a press conference right after is not the number one right. thing anyone want to do, but that's life. That's, yeah, that's tough, I, I wish he handled the, the press conferences with a little more grace. But I mean, it's going on a full month now where he's just been under complete fire. So it's like, and I, I wish that he did do it with more grace because then it kind of shows that you feel as though he has the situation more under control. But I think he's reeling a bit just as far as like because he knows like we're playing good enough football to win games and it's just not coming together. So he's probably extremely frustrated. He's an emotional manager. Um, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. So as far as that goes, yeah, I'm I'm willing to take it. Yeah, it's not a great look. I wish he didn't, but. Um, that's kind of the person that he is and it's, it's just respectable. I mean, we lost our, we lost three consecutive matches at Anfield for the first time since 1963. Like that's just, we don't going from a team who hadn't lost at Anfield in three years to a team that's lost three in three matches. is just like, it's a complete 180. Um, and Liverpool is also a team that thrives Every team doesn't have fans, but like against a city side, you have to look like on paper. City is a team that out outclasses on paper every single team in the Premier League, whether it's from a wages standpoint, um, a depth perspective, um, like who they have lined up in each role. <coughs> Excuse me. But like Liverpool, even last season, they're a club that people would be like, yeah, look, look at them on paper. Like they're a team and they feed off the energy of fans and Klopp and everything like that. So taking all that away, we don't have that bounce back ability because like we don't have that energy to feed off. Like Anfield was the fortress because of the fans. And that's evident nonetheless. Well, the recap, City go extra clear first. They're 15-5-2. They've just hit 50 points 
Uh, Liverpool dropped down to fourth. They've had 40 points, so now 10 whole points behind. And by the way, City have a game in hand over the next three teams behind them. So yeah. not City's about to go what? The rest of the league. City's about to go eight points clear of United. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it, which is really tough. And it, you think, you know, it, given especially Man United's recent form, it's like wow. But not to shit on United, Andrew, but it's like wow. United is the second place team in the Premier League. Like, is City that much better than everybody else right now? It's it's really a scary thought. And and yeah. there is a lot of season left for it to get a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't say about it. It's just weird. It's weird because you wouldn't you didn't expect United to be in this position from the start. Yeah, like, you also have to look. What, what I can go like imagine from how the city start like the, the the season started, and then now imagine like if you had been told in October or November or December even like oh city's gonna win the league by like probably twenty points. Yeah, you're like no, this is not the season. It's wide open. Everybody's got a chance. You kidding me? Tottenham's gonna win the league. Are you, what are you serious? Like, but now you're looking at the table and you're thinking, man, this just feels like 2017 again. Yeah. So. And but then it's like you also have to look at the fact that we've been spoiled for the last well, I don't know if "spoiled" is the right word, but the last three years there's been an 100 point tally, a 98 point tally, like a 97 point tally. So, like I heard, I heard a reporter be like, "Oh, Liverpool's 23 points behind where they were last season." It's like, all right, yeah, and title contenders, title winners of previous seasons in the Premier League finished. 13 or 15 points below where so like yeah, those are stupid stats yeah, yeah it's like really dumb stats okay take take the best team like city probably city sits 50 points behind or not 50 but city probably still sits 25 or 30 points behind where they were when they were the centurion season like i saw that <laughs> it's like what are you talking about i saw about? that one with newcastle i saw that one with newcastle when they were like steve bruce is 10 points higher than he than rafa benitez was when he was managing i'm like it doesn't make any sense because we're at the season. Like they're t- also five points off of relegation. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, make a difference. Yeah, that was the last straw for me, and I was like, all right, I'm turning off this fucking report of bullshit. <laughs> well, moving on to Sheffield Please. one, Chelsea two. Chelsea uh, <laughs> pick up a very, uh, very much needed three points. They're chugging along. They're one point outside Champions League. They are right back where they wanted to be. Tuchel is looking like he's got a pretty good hold on everything. Looks like he's got a great relationship with the players and not winning by a lot. Maybe you could argue they could be winning a little bit more convincingly, but either way, three points is three points, and Chelsea are, are getting all three. Yeah, I think he's still working in his tactics into the side, but you like can you tell. Said, like you said, he has like already a better relationship with the players compared to Frank. Um, it's it's kind of crazy how he's able to just come in and the players are so quick to kind of like him just welcome him because i i understand like players especially bought by frank yeah they're gonna kind of have ties they're gonna they're gonna have ties towards him but both sides look very happy to be with each other and yeah they could be winning by more but they you, you know who's not going to give a fuck how much they're winning by is any chelsea fan they're just going to say yeah. oh, three points great great yep. Keep i think pick them up and move on that's I right. think like I think their biggest problem. I think they're similar to United in the fact that they have players going forward, but their back line is very shaky. So, so like what happened against Sheffield, they conceded a An horrible uncle. error by Rudiger. By Rudiger. So, um, but I think they have what it takes to make top four, and the manager to do it. And Mason Mount started on the wing actually in that game. Scored as well. So. Sport as well. So Hudson Adoy. Productivity out of him. Hudson I mean, Adoy. Yeah, I, I, he was laughing no, with Tuchel. 
after yeah as um tristan mentions the player relations like they were like laughing and hugging and like poking fun at each other and i was just like i don't think i've ever seen that emotion out of hudson adoy as a player he's just like usually a straight face go about my business kind of guy so um he's definitely getting the players where they need to be mentally um yeah they could have been they could have been cleaner on this day sheffield did create some opportunities to level the score um but ultimately they get the three points timo werner um looked good looked good running at the back line i think he offered an assist and then also drew the foul yep. for the penalty so um although not on the not on the score sheet um it's you got to you got to chip away when you can and be a factor when you can and he certainly was in this game yeah, I mean, I, I was just, I was very impressed with how I think when, when like, Lampard was sacked very rapidly uh, and, and Tuchel was in very quickly afterwards. I think there was obviously a few day, uh, you know, grace period of, of where they were sort of deliberating and, and coming to a deal. But, I mean, he's really quietly arrived and sort of gone into the radar. You can clearly see the good that he's brought to Chelsea. It seems like the players are really already buying into it. It seems like the style fits them a little bit better because it's a style. It's a defined style that they can stick to each game, which is something that they didn't really have before. Um, like you said, it's just a quick, it's just a quick little video clip that they throw up on Instagram of him uh, with his arm around Hudson Adoy. But you know, like you just really hadn't seen that between anybody with Frank on, on the Chelsea team, even even Mount. You know, like and they they, they loved each other so. It's, it's nice for me to see, again, as a fan, I hate to see it as a Tottenham fan because this is just another club that's going to push us down, uh, you know, down, down the table each week, you know, by, by getting points. But, um, you know, being, from a football fan's perspective, it's, it's good to see Tuchel finding a home. Hopefully it lasts a while. You know, the whole Chelsea stacking thing is a little ridiculous with, with how often they do it. So, I mean, it's just nice. I was impressed by him. I'm, I'm kind of impressed by him so far this season, I think, uh, getting the style implemented and getting them points right away. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but but moving on to the final game of the weekend, Leeds gets a result. Jack Harrison scores. Rafinha makes Gary Cahill look foolish. <laughs> Please, it was Gary Cahill, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it Gary was. Cahill. Yeah. yeah, tough. Which he's he's a Premier League legend, so I mean, it's just it's more of something he'll look back on and think, yeah, they got me good. But anyway, Leeds get the points two nothing. Bamford takes his goal tally to twelve, I believe. Um, yeah, that England conversation is getting a little more real, huh? There was actually, I, I showed this video. I don't know if I sent, I sent it to Connor. It's Patrick Bamford spinning the ball, playing it around the the Palace defender, and like running like he. You talk about his how he runs. He runs so weird. That's a professional. He like doesn't player. pick up his feet. Yeah, and then he attempts to hit the ball, and it, he oh my god, it's like the worst oh on goal I've ever seen in my life. But then obviously he scores. So that's where the whole like the whole criticism and question about like people question him his ability as a player. It's uh, it's interesting because he'll do that, but then he'll score a goal. He'll score a hard goal, a very nice step, like a very well struck goal. Um, and I think he's proving all the doubters wrong, can, like every single game. So we have twelve. You're, I think he's second in the league or third in the league. Uh, I right think now? he's third. Yeah, I want to say Kane and um, Son both have thirteen. So, and Salah yeah. has sixteen. But uh, also, it's interesting to see. Uh, no Pizaha in the Palace side. They drop points again. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're coming off two wins for this. So it's, I mean, he's so important to them. Oh, Calvert. They're off, yeah, they're, 
Calvert-Lewin has 13, Bruno has 13, Son, Kane have 13. Oh, so I was way off. Bamford has <laughs> six. Well, I didn't – that's four players with 13 goals. So technically yeah, he so. sits in third and there's a four-way tie for second, but sixth on the but yeah, list. Palace coming off two wins. No Zaha, they lose. I mean – yeah, uh, I'm, I'm ready to stop calling uh, Palace in form. I feel like the last few podcasts I've been like, man, Palace dropped points. They were in form. Tough. And at the end of the podcast, I'm like, man, they've lost like four fucking weeks in a row. So I, <laughs> I think they're starting to take a dip here. I can stop uh, throwing in the just classic, oh, man, they were in form too. That's a big win for a random insert team here that beat them that week. But you know who is turning their form around is Leeds. I have been noticing they've been getting <laughs> some good results and getting scored on last and Bielsa's jumping out of the frog position when they're scoring and looking pumped and they're looking like a bit of a new side. So I'm thinking this team might be hitting a swing at the very right time. Yeah. I mean, and this is a clean sheet for Leeds. That's not something you see every day, frankly, with the play no, style they have. Not. So um, they have three wins in the last five. The other two are losses, but that's, that's good form for a newly promoted side. That's very good form. And what are they? Sitting 11th, I want to say, um, which is like, that's just important. Yeah. They yeah. jumped to 10th. They're 10, 2, and 10. Oh, yeah. Arsenal's in 11th. So. <laughs> wow. They have a funky uh, record there. 10, 2, and 10. That is But, yeah, they're crazy, one point ahead of Arsenal. 10, 2, and 10. Yeah, they're also like. I Even mean, on goals the for the season, too. <laughs> <laughs> you look at their, look at the documentary and they're, I mean, they're known for dropping off halfway through the season, and it's good to see them picking up at this point because mm-hmm. I don't want to see them go down or even float no. around the relegation. I don't think they will, but... Definitely like, not, but I think they could flirt with like a Wolvesy type side where they're yeah, like a, yeah. a really, really good mid-table team. Each year you're like, man, though, I hate going going there and playing them, which is definitely a side they can become with the yeah. players they have. And maybe bring in a few more signings in the summer too, right? Keep keep the business rolling, keep improving, keep getting better and chipping away, and hopefully fans get back in the stadium. You think about Leeds too, that's a team that really would benefit from having fans back in the stadium. So obviously yeah. everybody team, every 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 team would, right? But, but Leeds especially is one of those sides where similar to Liverpool, right? Like like Anfield's just a different place when it's packed with fans. So, oh, yeah. Um, and you know, Leeds that's a team that really... Die. Leeds fans die are crazy. They'll it. hit you with with quarters while you're running on the field. <laughs> well, they're nuts. They yell. They find your information online and yell it as you're running by. No, they're crazy. Um, they're a crazy bunch, but it will be nice to see fans back in the stadium because that's, you know, the, your fans can sometimes buy you six or seven points throughout the season just with, man, that crowd was Sheffield, crazy. Today. Sheffield, man. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah to Sheffield. They could use some fans right now, but that was the weekend. That was um, the weekend. We we crashed through it. It was there was a couple of really great matches and pretty enjoyable. And you know, almost all of us got the results we wanted. Only one of us did, I guess. Yeah. Only one team was good enough to pull through this weekend, and that ended up being Spurs. But you know, maybe next week you guys will get them. We have Leicester but coming what's, up. What's ahead? What? What's ahead for everybody? Huh? You yeah. who do you guys have next? Uh, we have Leicester at seven thirty on Leicester. Saturday. Well, not seven thirty here. Um, we we but, have West Brom on Sunday. Uh, we just uh, bopped up West Brom for you. We nice. have uh, just Ho Hum City on Saturday, twelve thirty. You have City. We played uh, some team called Manchester City. I guess. Please, I heard of them, Tristan, I am well. begging you for to take yeah, a point. A, I need, take I need a, a, a point. If there's, dude, if there's one club, one really good club who's way better than us that we always get a result against, it's Man City. So I, I'm confident. Stupidly, I shouldn't be, but like yeah. at this point, we've beaten City so many times. I'm not trying to sound cocky. We literally, even on our worst season, beat that team. 
I'm still pretty confident, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll probably lose. So. You might want to save you'll, it. You'll find out in my pick what I feel. Honestly, I really just take a win. fat loss on Saturday win. and then be like, all right, we'll cancel it out with the trophy in the EFL oh. Cup. That, that might oh. be something to think about. We'll finish 14th and get an EFL Cup. That'll really make my whole year. <laughs> <laughs> be good. But, well, yeah, those are the games to time, come. Guys. Till next yeah, time, guys, we made it happen. Subscribe, follow at the Hollows Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. We're there. Check out the link tree in our bios. Leave a comment if you want to win a McKenny jersey. Yeah, if it's in my room too much longer, I'm just going to keep it because I'm really, really starting to take a liking to it. But we're going to do the drawing Sunday night, so we're going to find out who won then, and we'll get it in the mail Monday morning. Um, right? I think that's feasible. Yeah, depending. Yeah, on we'll where just drive it to whoever. Depending yeah, on where it's we'll going. It I can mail it. I got a USPS near me, so I can mail it. But uh, Hell yeah. way, I'm, I'm pumped. Perfect. I'm pumped to get that dispersed. But till next time, till for next the Howlers time. Podcast. Jalen, we miss you. We'll see you next time as well. Cheers. Jaylen. Peace. Peace.